Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Pornography addiction is an ongoing issue, and the church is not immune. Today, we have Ellen Dykus from Harvest USA Philadelphia in the studio to talk about her experience in counseling the wives of men addicted to porn. Let's hear what the team has to say. Thanks for listening today. I'm real excited about um, our guest, Ellen Dykus. She's the Women's Ministry Coordinator for Harvest USA in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Hi, Ellen. How are you doing? Great to be here with you today. Um, I wanted to see if you could share a little bit about what Harvest USA is and, and what it is you guys do over there. Sure. Harvest USA has been around for about 33 years. We started actually out of the ministry of 10th Presbyterian in downtown Philadelphia. And our mission has changed over the years to where it is today is that we want to be a gospel-centered ministry offering the hope of Christ to people impacted by sexual sin, but also to equip the body of Christ to minister to sexual strugglers. So in what ways do you guys do that? Do you provide resources? Do you offer counseling? We we uh, call what we do targeted discipleship. Okay. Uh, we actually stay away from the C word in what we do. <laughs> but we, so we offer short-term one-on-one ministry to men, women, couples, families to help them get set on a direction. Our long-term ministry is in our biblical support groups that we host in our offices in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. And then the bigger part of what we do is that equipping ministry. So we mm-hmm. do... Um, a lot of conferences, training seminars. We are seeking to produce more and more materials that churches can use in their own ministry. Great. So so you've written a book, Sexual Sanity for Women, Healing from Sexual and Relational Brokenness. And I mean, this is a topic that is so prevalent and so needed, a book like this. But I find that it's it's hardly ever spoken about. Like you go to the big conferences or you look at the the bookshelves at the Christian bookstore, and there just doesn't seem to be a lot for women um, who are either affected by sexual sin themselves and they're stuck in a simple lifestyle and and they need direction and rebuke, or for uh, women or men in marriages mm-hmm. where there is um, serial adultery or pornography addiction. Um, why do you think that is? Why is it so hard to talk about that and how can we foster a better culture and environment in our own churches for people who are in these situations to be able to feel like they can approach you and and talk to a a lay person or a pastor when they need help in that area. Yeah, well, I think there's lots of reasons why these are hard topics to talk about. They're sensitive, they're tender, they've been seen as very private, and there's a lot of shame connected Mm -hmm. to struggles in these areas, whether if it's a woman or man who has been ensnared themselves in sexual sin, or if you're in a marriage that's been impacted by sexual sin. So I think in general, these are areas that are that are hard to talk about. Uh, the body of Christ has um, often been very silent about these areas or have not talked about them in ways that have really invited people to come out, in a sense, to ask for help. And I think women in particular, I've had many women 
who have said this to me is that they say my church is is not talking about these areas very much, but if they do, it's almost always referred to only as a man's problem. Mm. Right. So women strugglers, um, I think, just dive under the pew, if I could put it mm-hmm. that way, in more shame. As one woman said, Ellen, I guess I'm I'm just like a man. And this was a woman mm-hmm. who was a pornography addict. Hmm. Yeah, I tend to see, like, in most of the reading material um, about pornography, addiction, or just sex drive even, that women are looked at as, you know, being the slow cookers and having a low sex drive. <laughs> and so then if you're not that way, then you must have to deal with shame or, or you know, to even be able to come forward and... Um, talk about that with somebody else. Yeah. And, you know, like, like we just mentioned, I mean, these are really sensitive issues, but I think one of the key um, points of practical wisdom is that sexual sin ultimately is not driven by a sex drive. It's driven by a a broken, Mm -hmm. fallen, idolatrous heart that is finding its outlet in this sexual way. And so I think, yeah, women have been stereotyped in ways. So have men been stereotyped mm-hmm. in certain ways. I mean, we have a lot of women that come to us, wives, that would desire to have a more um, fulfilling sexual relationship with their husband, but their husband isn't interested. And sometimes that's because, as my colleagues would say, the man has become so pornified mm. that he is not able to engage in a sexual relationship with mm. an actual person. Right. It's more fantasy-based. So, you know, it's interesting because as, as Amy has suggested, the, the issue of pornography itself is so overwhelmingly associated with men, and I'm sure for good reason. Are you, are you finding at Harvest, are you finding that, that there is an increase in women that are, that are taking advantage of that outlet of, of, of pornography? And if so, what would be behind that? Because it is. I think it's hard for a lot of people to understand. It's so associated with, with men. Are you seeing that that more that there are more women beginning to struggle with that? Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Um, I mean, this the statistics will say that men are struggling to a much greater degree right. than women are, but with the rise of um, technology mm-hmm. and mobile devices, it's really becoming a free for all. So that yeah. young girls and boys are having an earlier and more um, prevalent exposure to porn. And so, you know, we hear from youth pastors um, that they will look around their youth group and absolutely they know that all the guys are struggling with pornography, but increasing numbers of those girls. And I think that's really where this is going to become more and more sobering Mm -hmm. and then maybe a wake-up call for the church is that this generation that has been raised, say, on an iPhone and tablets, having free porn literally at their fingertips, the the consequences of that is going to be um, hard hard to deal with. And so girls are just as... um, Girls are just as susceptible to Mm. giving way to that. And in fact, we'll have teens that will say this was their sex education, pornography. Mm. To just curiosity. Well, I think it's really advertised Mm -hmm. um, to girls more now with uh, the Fifty Shades books and then what was it, Magic Mike or something. It's almost like a cool thing. And you see women bragging on Facebook that they're going to go together to see that Mm -hmm. where you don't see the men doing that, really. They're not advertising the fact that they're going to go look at something inappropriate. Right. And I, you know, like the Fifty Shades of Grey um, phenomenon was just so sad that so many professing Christian right. women 
weren't only reading those books, but they also were not seeing any problem with it mm-hmm. because it was consenting adults. Right. And innocent fun. In, right. Innocent fun. And I think that goes back to, at least in part, a, a shaky foundation of really discipling people in the in the richness of God's good design mm-hmm. for sexuality, including in the marriage relationship. So reading a book like that, especially if you've got your Christian friends on board, just becomes the latest the latest fad. Right. Mm-hmm. What can what can parents do as far as talking to their kids about pornography? What what how would you advise a mom and a dad to approach their kids, maybe younger teens, um, and kind of the, the categories to talk to them mm-hmm. as far as? Yeah, well, I mean, I'll, I'll start that off by um, recommending one of our resources, a mini booklet, which is called Eye Snooping, Parenting in an Internet Generation, mm-hmm. that really walks parents through a lot of the details mm-hmm. of that. But I think um, the first the first things would be to talk to that mom and dad and say, how are you struggling yourselves to walk in sexual integrity. Mm -hmm. Um, Parents a lot of times will call us because of struggles going on with their children. And when you drill down a little bit, you'll realize that there's some struggles going Mm -hmm. on there as well. So I would Mm -hmm. say to that mom and dad, um, how are you needing the gospel yourselves in this area? Then from that, from that place, I think some of the key things are families or parents need to have in mind that this isn't a one-and-done conversation. Mm-hmm. How can you be starting an ongoing, in a sense, discipleship conversation with your kids about Internet um, integrity? And obviously this relates to heart integrity, sexual integrity. But how are they as a family going to be talking about these things? How as a family are they going to have convictions about how they're going to live this out in their home, about entertainment, about all the devices? And... Uh, I guess the third thing I would say, we we could talk about this in a lot Mm -hmm. of directions. The third thing I would say is that it is a non-negotiable for parents to have a a plan and to engage what is happening in their family technologically. Uh, It's just a non-negotiable. If you're going to have the Wii, the Netflix, not to mention um, smartphones and, and tablets, you've got to have some kind of filtering system and accountability for that. Yeah. It's just not a. Right. Uh, it's not something that is negotiable anymore. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. How should pastors address this from the pulpit? Do you have? I mean, one of the things I was told years ago on on the wife beating front was you need to mention it every now and then because that enables people in the congregation to feel they can come and speak to you about mm. it. Mm-hmm. Do you recommend a similar strategy on this front? And if so. You know, rule of thumb, how often should I be alluding to these things mm-hmm. in, in my regular pastoral ministry? Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, what, just broad strokes about struggles with sexuality, or is there something more specific? Well, I'm thinking of, well, obviously, I, I guess the whole sexual chaos mm. out there is of perennial significance, but more specifically, I'm thinking pornography addiction, which comes up with remarkable frequency mm. in mm-hmm. pastoral conversations. So. Yeah. How should should I be addressing these things specifically and, and give a bit more context? I'm always sensitive to the fact that when I stand up to preach, I have six, seven, eight-year-old kids yeah. in the congregation. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to give too much information away because I don't want to seize to myself a prerogative of education I think really belongs to the parents on that front. Yeah. On the other hand, I want to be clear enough in what I'm saying that people who are struggling feel... 
mm-hmm. free to to approach mm-hmm. me about it. Do you have any words of wisdom on that front? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, it's a blessing to hear a pastor even asking that question. Um, I guess I would answer it this way: um, to pastors that are to that are listening, is um, you're going to need to to find somehow your course of leadership for how you're going to be addressing these issues from the pulpit in adult education classes in the youth group i mean across the boards that they need to be talked about somehow some way and i appreciate the the challenge of how do you do that in um with an audience with young children and maybe that's where you have separate not to have a completely separate series or something like that but perhaps you have times where you are addressing the adults in particular mm-hmm. Um, but youth groups need to be discipled mm-hmm. in these areas and much beyond um, an abstinence program or the do's and yeah. don'ts. Mm-hmm. Um, but this biblical discipleship that's going to get yeah. to their hearts. Um, the other thing I think that is um, a strong need is for pastors, counselors, uh, lay leaders is to really have this on the radar screen in, in the pre-engagement counseling that's mm-hmm. going on. And I say that from the backdrop of my ministry to wives where – so many of these women and their husbands entered into a marriage situation where they weren't known by one another in these areas. And the pastor who oversaw their exchanging of wedding vows did not know what was going on between this couple. Mm. And so I would actually say that is a plea for mm. wisdom and pre-engagement mm. discipleship in these areas. Um, and, and again, I'm, I'm saying that from the backdrop of a lot of broken-hearted mm. husbands and wives who weren't asked the, the hard questions and entered into marriage um, really in a mess. Mm. So I think it's preaching, discipling, and, um, and counseling at all different mm. levels from, as, from, your, from yourself as a pastor, elders, but also having godly, trusted women that can also be involved in some of these situations to add the, a woman's voice when there's a woman involved. Maybe I could ask Todd at this point, would you marry a couple where you knew the husband or the wife was struggling with pornography addiction? Or would you ask them to delay until that was my, under control? Yeah, my rule of thumb is, is ask delay, ask for a delay, and to, in the intervening time period to seek help from the church to, uh, to deal with it in a very directed way way with a high level of accountability and to make sure that she the the bride to be has has a pretty good realistic grasp of some of the things at stake here um and that and that he is pursuing with the help of the church and the accountability of the church some some good boundaries that that will help him then um and and that kind of leads me to ask a question also because i've I was just talking with somebody about this last week and it's come up several times, which is when a, a husband is convicted, he, he's, he's had a problem in this area of pornography and let's just say it's pornography at this point and he wants to be free of it. And so he's going to pursue some help. He's going to go talk to his pastor, whatever that may be. And he wants to share his struggle with his wife what should he share and what shouldn't he share? Should he be completely honest and get into the details or should he just speak more in kind of categories? Uh, if, if that makes sense, you know, how, how open and detailed should he be? Should there be some, for, for the sake of her, 
and and her um, sensibilities. How how I I, I I don't want to say how honest should he be because because he want you know he he wants to say hey listen I've struggled in this area, but how general or how specific is there a rule for that? Excellent question, and I would say generally we as a ministry, and this is also would be how we would um, equip churches, is we want to encourage full disclosure. Mm -hmm. Now, what that means is that, in this case, the husband is the one that has been struggling. That husband would share and confess Mm -hmm. enough of his sin struggle that he is known by his wife because she's going to have a call towards hopefully towards forgiveness if they're Mm going to move towards reconciliation. And she needs to know what she is forgiving in light of how he has transgressed the wedding, the the marriage covenant. However, full disclosure does not mean details that will implicate um, certain people. And now I wouldn't say that if that was a family member or a friend, but if there's names of say, let's say a man has gone to, um, Oh, I'm sorry. You were talking just about pornography. Well, but you can yeah. go, go with it. Yeah, there. go with yeah. it. Um, well, I would say this, that full disclosure does not mean details that are going to leave unhelpful images mm-hmm. in right. um, the mind of a wife. It doesn't mean that that husband even shares all of the details of um, specifics of how he felt, what right. he did. But he needs to share enough so that he's walking in the light with his wife, that he would be able to even receive her forgiveness knowing that he's not hidden anything. And I will say that this is one of the most tender, fear-provoking things in a wife is, is there more? I think Mm -hmm. there's more because especially when a husband has been hiding this sexual sin for five years or even decades, the trust as you can imagine, when this comes out, is completely shattered apart. That's one of the dangers of secret sin. You become very skilled in deceiving and hiding Mm -hmm. it. And so I would also add, with that full disclosure, it would be very helpful and I think pastoral to have a trusted other, a pastor, an elder, a couple, having um, uh, a couple there so that wife would have that support is is very helpful as well. That's what I was going to ask you, kind of piggybacking off of that, is when a, when a wife, you know, I've just seen this happen so often, when a wife hears something like this, it's so devastating, and it, it her sense of worth is mm-hmm. just so rocked. Um, she's embarrassed, humiliated, feeling very low, and, and then her sense of what her marriage was is totally rocked. But what I see often is the church stepping in pretty well to try to um, engage this repentant husband and mm-hmm. and help him. But so often I see that the wife is neglected, mm-hmm. and she needs just as much attention. And you know, even as a friend um, or just somebody who cares mm-hmm. or a church officer, how can we better serve the victim, whether it's the wife or the husband, mm-hmm. and um, with sin such as pornography or adultery. Mm -hmm. Mm. I appreciate uh, so much that you've brought that up because I think that is generally what happens. And I'll speak in in this situation where the wife is the one that has been betrayed, Mm -hmm. even though, as you've mentioned, husbands are betrayed as well. But for that husband, um, 
he is feeling perhaps the shame and embarrassment, um, but there's also a great sense of relief Mm -hmm. because the Mm -hmm. secret is now out in the open and all the energy that has had to be spent to keep this under wraps Mm -hmm. is gone. So there's relief. There's people entering in to support him. And a lot of times, as you just said, Amy, the wife is shattered. And so... Because uh, she's just gotten now a new burden well, added onto her. A new burden, and I would put it this way. Her and life's I, changed. I yeah. talk about this with wives all the time, is I'll say the marriage you thought you had didn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. the husband, the man to whom you've been married, isn't the man that you thought he is. So there's a tremendous yeah. shame, grief, loss, pain. Mourning of what you Mourning, you and I mean, it's very comparable to what a wife is, feels after this to post-traumatic mm-hmm. stress. So how can we enter in? We enter in. And I would say to uh, the pastors that are listening to this, I can sympathize that this is a very overwhelming problem. It's overwhelming to know how to even enter in in light of the strugglers. But it's just something that is, again, I would say a non-negotiable for our spiritual leaders to engage not only the struggler, but the family members. And we haven't even talked about children. Yeah, right. I, yeah. I had um, a 19-year-old daughter of a, uh, of a porn addict whose secret came out, whose wife came to my uh, wife's group, and they're on a beautiful road of reconciliation. But that daughter came in, what about us? Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. about me? Like, I don't know how to process all this. And so... That's probably beyond the scope of our time today, but I'll just put it this way. How can we provide wraparound care for the family members impacted? Such a good point. Carl, your experience as in, in pastoral ministry, is this sexual sin? Is this the overall the, the, the most frequent type of issue you have to deal with? It's carbon, uh, in my time as a, as a full-time pastor has been fairly limited yeah. i mean I'm on sessions for much longer i'd say it's come up fairly frequently i wouldn't say it's been the most common thing mm-hmm. uh, over time uh, but it's certainly up right up there mm-hmm. as a problem and i have to say it's also the one where i i, I, f- I find addictions the most difficult to deal with mm. not from the perspective of you know addiction is not an excuse but people who are addicted to drugs alcohol pornography typically we as a church have gone outside to get expert help to help those people because you know you can you can get somebody and put them on covenant eyes for example with pornography but they'll find a machine in the house that doesn't have covenant eyes on it that you can do all kinds of of standard prophylactic stuff Mm -hmm. but addicts will find ways round things. And I've found, you know, we've had, we actually referred somebody to Harvest in Philly just a couple of years ago. Uh, I found specialist units yeah. very helpful yep. Yep. on addiction front. You know, there's yep. a lot of stuff routinely you can deal with as a pastor, mm-hmm. but drugs, alcohol, and sex tend to be things that I, I think it's helpful to have real specialists. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not talking about the, the, the teenager who maybe looks at a, sure. a naughty picture once every six months or something like mm-hmm. that, but guys who are doing it every day right. out mm-hmm. for several hours, mm-hmm. they're beyond my ability without as a, doubt. a routine pastor to help. I need mm-hmm. help yeah, with, helping with, them at yeah. that point. Yeah, with, without a doubt. And that's why, as you say, these specialist units like yeah. Harvest USA are so yeah. helpful for the church because mm-hmm. – 
dealing with with a guy yeah your your categories were record you know am i dealing with an addict here and if so yeah. i need uh, yeah we we need to parachute this guy in for some I think it's a good journey as a churchman. You want to make sure the church has priority in, in all of these things, but you also need to know your own limits yep. and what, what you're dealing with. And yeah. yeah, sin causes everything, but mm. there are certain mm-hmm. sins that require specialist uh, yeah. Here's help question. with our specialist yeah. attention. Is pornography adultery? Ooh, good question. Yes, mm-hmm. I would I would say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it is stepping out of the oneness of the marriage relationship and f- having a sexual experience outside mm. are there differences in having an actual physical encounter with another person yeah i think there are and the consequences may be different mm-hmm. but is it a transgression against that covenant mm-hmm. to forsake mm-hmm. all others mm-hmm. for sake of oneness absolutely so then how do you help somebody who um, is married to someone who is addicted to pornography and they they may sound repentant but there's just no change there's there's no fruit of repentance mm-hmm. and they're now in this marriage there's children how do you how You're do asking you, when it becomes a ground for divorce yeah, Is that when what you know when do you counsel someone to separate mm. 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 That is a very hard question and I will say and I appreciate just even the, the comments about having you know specialist like parachurch type ministries right. like like ours, we place a high value on the church family that a couple is involved with. So that's always going to be one of the first um, paths that we take is how is how is your church involved with this? How are your pastors or elders involved with this? Um, what is the very hardest situation? And and actually, this is this is more typical is that couple may not even have much of an engagement with a church. Mm. I mean, it's a part of the yeah. fractured part of their mm-hmm. life. And so I think for the for the woman in that situation, I am going to encourage her to reach out for help beyond herself. And let's say, hard case scenario, she's got limited involvement with a church. They hardly go. Um, her husband uh, doesn't refuses for her to be able to talk to anybody. This is a situation where she needs to, in faith, reach out for help to a trusted other, mm-hmm. a pastor, a wise, godly, biblical counselor, to ask for counsel. We as a ministry are going to be very hesitant ourselves to ever speak into separation or divorce without the um, without the spiritual leadership of their, of their mm-hmm. church speaking in as well. Mm-hmm. And when we do want to encourage somebody toward separation, we are going to hopefully have other people guiding them in that separation mm-hmm. that are using that as a as a process for their right. hearts to really work on what they're working right. on. Um, but it's it's tough. Like I'm it's so there, tough. I, there aren't any. And you're any talking about easy, people's marriages, yep, but and children, and children, mm-hmm. right? I wonder as well if if the, the Corinthians divorce situation is more applicable. Because, you know, I'm thinking. I agree with Alan that. You know, to look at a pornographic picture is a breach of the marriage covenant. Mm-hmm. You know, there isn't a married man on the face of the earth who hasn't taken a second glance at an attractive woman passing in the street at some point. That's not grounds for divorce. Well, yeah. But I think that if you've got a guy who's looking at pornography hours and hours a day, several times a week, and putting a lot of money into it possibly. It's never just that. I no. mean, there's a whole host of secondary issues. But that I, I come think at that, that point, well, t- two things for me would kick in. One, the person really, it's not just 
breaching the marriage covenant. He's abandoning the marriage. Right. And two, mm-hmm. there comes a point at which you have to say, you know, your behavior is inconsistent with the Christian witness. Right. right. And those, I think, are the two the two things that kick in in Corinthians are abandonment and the assumption that the the party doing the abandoning are not Christian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in that context, divorce becomes becomes an option. It's not compulsory. And and I think that. David P. Murray did an article, it will be a couple of months ago by the time this airs, on this recently, I think, where he raised the question of yes, that's is right. pornography yep. addiction grounds for mm-hmm. divorce? Oh, and he yeah. changed his I mind. He's that. come down mm-hmm. to think that, yes, mm-hmm. in some very extreme mm-hmm. circumstances, yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. Again, I want to stress, we're not looking at somebody, mm-hmm. talking about somebody who just glances yeah. at a bad picture every right. six months. We're talking about somebody for whom this it is become a lifestyle. committed way of life. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I have like 50 more questions, but I want to ask one more. <laughs> I know I'm hogging it up, guys. Sorry. But um, I, I think there's a tension of, you know, the church wants to encourage sexual purity. And there's been a lot of resources for that. Um, but I'm also seeing some pushback in that area because it's so held up. Virginity is so held up in sexual purity that those who um, have sinned in that area or those who have been sinned against and abused in that way um, ha- have such shame then to be able to to seek the help that they need. So um, how can we, as a church, um, as a Christian culture, encourage sexual purity, but then also foster this environment where people who feel alone or broken from their sexual past or are currently struggling and failing in this area um, can have seek the courage to find somebody and ask for help. Mm-hmm. I think the, the main answer to that is for the body of Christ to be um, enthusiastically and ro- in a robust way engaging these issues as sermons are preached, as Bible studies are taught, as small groups come together, as there are retreats that these issues are being talked about and that sexual sin is normalized. And what I mean by that, not diminished, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's normalized, is this is a part of our fallen humanity that is in the reach of the redemption of mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. We need to hold both of those. Right. It's a broken part of our humanity. It's why it's one of the reasons why Jesus came, is to redeem this back to himself. That's good. Yeah. Well, hope you found this podcast particularly helpful. This is an issue that is not going to go away anytime soon. And is, well, sexual sin has been a perennial of the church life since Paul wrote his letter to mm-hmm. the church in Corinth. And with technology, it's likely to get, certainly in the short term, much, much worse, not better. So we do hope that this program has helped provoke some good, helpful thoughts. Uh, We'd like to thank uh, Miss Ellen Dykus for taking time to join us today and offer us such helpful and wise thoughts on this topic. We'd encourage you to check out our blog, mortificationofspin.org, where we'll be continuing the conversation, and we hope you'll join us next time. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, a coalition of pastors, scholars, and churchmen that exists to foster a Reformed awakening in today's church. To continue today's conversation, we're giving away copies of Eye Snooping on Your Kid, Parenting in an Internet World by Nicholas Black, published by New Growth Press. Go to mortificationofspin.org to sign up for the giveaway. 
And join us next week when the gang talks about secular music. Should we delight in or toss out these tunes? It pains me to use the word disco. Uh, can Christians listen to it, or should we actually spend our time listening to Don Francisco and uh, was it Larry? Nor- Larry Norman. Larry Norman. Why should the devil have all the good music? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> good, good question. <laughs> maybe so. that's what. Maybe that's what we spend the rest of our time talking about. Join us for that next time. And don't forget to visit mortificationofspin.org to find posts from Todd, Amy, and Carl and to enter to win iSnooping on your kid, parenting in an Internet world. Thank you. That's going to be helpful for folks. Good. Yeah, very helpful. Yeah, well, your questions were. I was like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a great setup. Yeah. Let me at it. Yeah. Well, you know, and th- these are the kinds of questions you know yeah. I get asked. You know, yeah. these are. I know. You know yeah. Well, me too. Just mm-hmm. as a yep. person. Well, and, like the question about you know, do they separate?